0: this morning what you want to reveal to us we are so thankful that we can serve you and that we can um, be led by you and um, once again we thank you in your name I pray amen you may be seated how's everybody doing this morning how's everybody doing this morning ah there we go you know this morning I before we before I, I, I just as I was driving in this morning um, and it opened up. I mean, it was like a monsoon. I hit. I, I, I live in Millsburg, and about Holmes Cheese, it was like pouring down rain, and it was really, really, really dark. And in the midst of that, I'm like, ugh, right? Ugh, it's so dreary. It's kind of, eh. You know, and I'm like, well, I wonder how many people are going to be impacted by this this morning. But you know what? As as I was thinking through this, Right? And bear with me. We'll we'll get into scripture here real quick. But I just feel like God really spoke to me in this. As dark and dreary as that was, guess what? The sun was still there. Right? Otherwise, it would be pitch dark and I couldn't see anything. And I mean, even though I had to have my headlights on a little bit, I could still see. And that's how it is in this dark world that we live in. And we hear all this bad news continuously in on the radio. You know, and, and we know, as we've been studying Romans, we know that there's such a thing as evil and sin and total depravity. Yet, God is there. And his light is shining, even when it seems like it's the darkest. His light is still there, and his light is still revealing things. And his Holy Spirit is still roaming around. And as we look at today's scripture, I believe this is what he's telling us. That, that, that the Holy Spirit is still relevant in our own lives right now. And it actually sets us free from sin in this oppression that we feel, in this darkness that we feel. So with that, let me uh, go ahead, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, we're going to start in uh, verse 15. And I'm going to go through 15 through 19. So let me go ahead and read that real quick. And then uh, we will get into it. What then? Are we to sin... Because we are not under law, but under grace. By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Either of sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves to sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. Let me pray one more time. Father God we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is from you that is God breathed and we uh, we pray right now that your holy Spirit will open up our hearts and our minds give me the words to uh, say what you want to say today in your name I pray amen so what then are we to continue in sin to live in sin because we are not under law but under grace this is this is the question that Paul poses here, and it's very similar to the question uh, at the beginning of chapter six. And these uh, these questions here are arguments. I'm sure he heard, <laughs> as especially as he talked about grace. And 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 so, where are these questions coming from? First off, um, I, I would I would think that it, it would either be from Someone that truly believes that, maybe someone that that we would call maybe a hyper grace where you can do whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter anymore. Or maybe from the legalist who says, nah, you're just telling people to go ahead and do whatever they want because this grace is so free, you don't have to do anything out of it. Either one of them, the argument, um, it, it just doesn't work. You know, The argument, and I hear this at times, even in this area. So you're just, you're just giving us a license to go do whatever you want to do. How many of you have ever heard that, that, that argument before? Especially when you talk about grace and how free it is. And it's a free gift given by God. And it's almost too good to be true. And so when you frame it around that, you hear people say, well, you're just, you're just promoting people not to listen to God. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. As Paul starts off, what then? Are we, who are we? Believers. Right? Those that have put their trust in Jesus. And it goes on. To sin. And and if you look at, it, look how this is broke down. If you look at the original Greek, it, it, it's a continue to live in sin. A lifestyle of sin. Identification in sin. Um, you know, right now in, in the church, uh, in the popular church, we are hearing Um, that there's a movement, not necessarily in this area, but throughout the United States of, I want to be a gay Christian. That's false. You cannot be a gay Christian. You cannot identify in sin and then tag Christian onto it. Now, this doesn't mean that we reach perfection when we become a believer, and it doesn't even mean that you can't be a Christian struggling with homosexuality. But if you identify in your sin, and that becomes your identifier, no. This is, this is not right. And, and, and Paul is, is addressing this. you know, And he goes on, because we are not under the law, but under grace, by no means. And this is the strongest no that you can get out of the Greek language. Paul is screaming this at the top of his lungs, that no, you cannot continue to go on and do sin in a lifestyle of sin. And, and out of this question, I believe it's a misunderstanding, at best, of grace, at worst, a perversion of grace. I believe this is what's happening with this question, the people that are posing this question. And so let's just take a, a look at what grace does. We know that grace saves us. And that's, wow. But it also does other things. uh, If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians. And these are two of my my very very favorite uh, pieces of scripture. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God, not results of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So there's something that happens with grace. It saves us, but that's not where it ends. It comes into our lives. It changes our lives. Another verse that I absolutely love, Titus. Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce on godliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his possession who are zealous for good works. So there, there's, there's things that happen with grace. I, um, last night I, I woke up, uh, it, was, it was actually early this morning, and I, I just really f- felt like God gave me this. And, and not that it's like anything revolutionary because this is, this is, this is what the Bible teaches, but, but I, I, grace, it, it, it does three specific things. It saves us, it shapes us, and it secures us. Like that I did there, three S's. It saves us, shapes us, and secures us. Grace absolutely saves us, not on our own merits, not by our own works, nothing we do at all comes into our lives. We don't deserve it, and yet God gives it to us. But when it comes into our lives, it changes us from the inside out. We are no longer, we are no longer the old man, if you will. The Bible uses that terminology a lot. We are no longer who we were, before grace comes into our lives. Grace changes us from the inside out. It, it fundamentally changes us to somebody totally different than who I was before I became a believer, before I put my faith in Jesus, before Jesus comes into my life. And that is, that is only a true miracle from the Holy Spirit. It is not something we can manufacture It is absolutely nothing that we can do in our own self to make this happen. Now, there are choices after this, no doubt about that, and we'll talk about that later, but the the fact is that where is this coming from? It is a supernatural change. Just as I cannot save myself, I cannot change myself without the Holy Spirit doing something, God actually saves us from ourselves. Verse 16. And, 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 and then this is where we start getting into it, and it's very interesting here when we, we start looking at, at this, and we're going to look at this in a moment, but um, I just want to take a, a pause here, and it talks about slavery. And, and I, we have to address this, because when I talk about slavery, what do you guys think about it? probably the Civil War, right? American slavery, um, Africans being shipped here on ships, you know, early in our country, and plantations maybe down south. And this is not the type of, of slavery that we're looking at here. This is a totally different type of slavery that was present in the Roman Empire. Um, this is a... Uh, word slave here, Uh, doulos is is the the Greek Greek, um, language, out of the Greek language, and it's basically one who gives himself up to a master. Um, In the Roman Empire, um, you know, the slave is owned by a master. He has no personal freedom. He is is truly owned. He is a piece of property, if you will. Um, The slave you know, what, what was their job? Their job was to obey their master. Um, slavery in Rome, in the Roman Empire, it was not done by race. It was not done by, um, um, you know, uh, a lot of times, once again, we think of, of race being purely the motive for slavery. It, it is absolutely not done by race. Um, if you were bankrupt in the Roman Empire, you could sell yourself into slavery and get out of all your debts and the new master would pay off all your debts and then you would be indebted to him for however long you might be a slave for a short amount of time you might be a slave for the rest of your life it was all in the terms of the contract that you signed up as that master paid off your debts if you were born into slavery if your parents were slaves then that would That would put you into slavery as well in in the the Roman Empire. Um, Conservative estimates of slavery in the Roman Empire. In Italy, the uh, the country of Italy, um, or the now existing Italy, 30 to 40% of the population, this is conservative, 30 to 40% of the population were slaves. 10 to 15, once again, this is a conservative estimate, 10 to 15% of the entire Roman Empire were slaves. And so as Paul's addressing the church here and once again we have to take out the American version of slavery. This is this is what he's addressing and this was so super common in Rome. Like I said, conservatively 40% of the people were slaves. So four out of 10 people that you bump elbows with were in slavery. So super common it was a prime example in front of them something that they were very 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 familiar with and so as paul goes into here using this example he says in 16 starting in 16 do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves you are slaves of the one whom you obey either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness as we look at this he says do you not know if you present yourselves and that, that's a very interesting term there um, when, you, when you look at what that, what that looks like is it's like a soldier presenting themselves in front of a commanding officer so a commanding officer comes in and you would jump to attention, salute you would present yourself to that commanding officer. He would, he would demand respect, and whatever he says goes. And in the same way, Paul is, Paul is making a statement here, and there's two, two ways to go, right? There's not 20 different options here. There's two options. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to obedience that's it that's it that is the world that we honestly live in we are either a slave to sin or a slave to obedience a slave to righteousness and as Paul Paul hashes this out he goes you're either in one camp or the other and whichever camp you're in is what you're going to present yourself as what you're going to obey you're either going to obey sin or obey righteousness that's the two options we have and that that transcends cultures transcends time we are still under that today's culture you know biologically we have two genders male female Ironically, our culture right now is trying to have all these options. That's just an example from our culture right now, right? And as insane as that is, if you would have told someone 20 years ago that that's what the options were going to be, that you have like 575 genders, someone would have laughed at you. And the reality is, a lot of times, we try to do this with this. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not that bad, you know, I'm here, or I'm here... No. The reality is there's two camps. You're either in sin or you're obedience, which leads to righteousness. That's it. That's the reality. This should sound familiar, though. So, either a slave to sin, sin leads to death. Under death, what does it look like? Darkness. We're actually an enemy of God, which brings death, no hope, the old nature, my flesh. Over here you have obedience and righteousness, which brings light, peace with God, life, hope, a new heart. You have the Holy Spirit that comes into us. And if, if, you, if you've been tracking with us in Romans, there's this, this theology that we talked about earlier called the federal headship. And what does this, what does this really come down to? Either you're in Adam... And Adam represents you in his fallen nature, in his sinfulness, in his rebellion against God. And honestly, that's where we all start. When we are born, we're there. And when the Holy Spirit reveals things in our hearts, in our minds, we go from death to life. We go from the headship of Adam to the headship of Jesus Christ. And now Jesus is my representative. And through faith, I am now justified and declared righteous in the eyes of God. It's amazing. The, the sin camp, you can only exercise their will towards sin you are a bondage of sin in that and so sin is your master when we put our trust when we put our faith in what jesus christ has done he comes in he changes our very heart which we're going to look at here shortly doesn't mean we're going to be perfect overnight but there is movement towards holiness. There is a movement towards the Holy Spirit doing things and working on my very heart of who I am. He changes me day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. And that really is America in itself as well. So those are the two camps. And so... We move into into, into verse 17. And once again, I I love how Paul states this. 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free, have become slaves of sin of righteousness it's good news this is important to keep in mind right here this is all about what God has done for us as believers if you put your faith in Jesus guess what this is talking to you the big but but thanks be to God He is the one that has done this in our lives. He has transformed us. You were once total enemies of God. You were slaves to sin. You could only obey your flesh. You were in bondage to sin. But that is gone away with because of what Jesus has done for you. The moment you have put your faith in him. And this is, once again, this is all past tense. It says, have become obedient from the heart. Past tense. This is, this is, this is a, a moment where this, he's reminding us this is where we're at as believers. There's a new will. There's a new heart. It's like having a transplant. Um, my heart of stone, my, 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 that was not alive, has been given a new heart, a heart that's beating, and a heart that is, is wanting to do what God wants to do. Now, once again, doesn't mean we're perfect. We're still, we're still working all this out, folks. And I, even, even this week, I, I had uh, met with somebody that was beating himself up because he's like, well, I, I still sin. Yeah, me too. And that's not what this is, this is saying that if we struggle with sin, that you are still a slave of sin. No, you have a new heart and you have a new will to do what God wants you to do. That's really what this, 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 this scripture is saying. There's new desires. I, I don't love the things I used to love. And I can speak to that. There's something that has happened to me and, 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 Thirty years, thirty plus years of 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 being a believer, of 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 walking with Christ, he has changed what I love. I no longer love the things that I used to love of this world, or the of the things that my flesh wants me to do. I actually stop loving them and actually start hating them. And there are times when I hate what I do, but that's because of the new heart. That is beating in me. That God has given me. So we have become obedient from the heart. To the standard. Of teaching. To which you were committed. As, as we look at, at this phrasing. To the standard. And it's almost like the standard there. Is, is a. Uh, if you go back to the Greek. It, it's almost like a branding. Or making a. A indent into something hard. It, it is actually making an impression. And so this, this standard of teaching, this impression of teaching, where's the teaching? It's the gospel. It's, it's the teaching of Jesus Christ. It's the, it's the entire Bible that God has given us. The standard of teaching. It has been embedded, branded into our hearts. To which you, the believer, right, were committed. And, I, and it, it's interesting how this, this word committed at the end. And the only, the, it, 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 you look back at the original Greek once again, it, it, it's, it's delivered over. So the only thing that I could think of in the English language that I could even wrap my head around what this meant, what it looked like, um, you're being committed to the insane asylum. Now I'm not saying you're insane for believing but that's, that's kind of the same picture here, right? When somebody commits someone to, to an a asylum, what happens? You, you're, you're there, right? And there's probably no getting out. And so you are secured in this to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, secured into this. It's branded into our hearts from the Holy Spirit. At this point in time, I, I, you know, we, we're, we're seeing some of those, these uh, words obedient here. And obedient is very, very important. But I, I have to ask this question. I've asked this question a couple different places, in, in, in small churches and, and, and even in individual um, conversations. And uh, so this is a, more of a diagnosis question for us. Does obedience lead to saving faith or saving faith lead to obedience let me, th- let me, let me say that one more time let me think, let, let, let's think about this does obedience because how you answer this is how you look at grace does obedience lead to saving faith Or does saving faith lead to obedience? What do you think? Someone want to answer? Yeah. Yeah. If we truly believe in grace, the saving faith will lead us to obedience. Right? Just what we looked at in Ephesians. Not by works so that no one will boast, but we are... Handed over where God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works. This is something that we have to keep at the forefront of our mind here as we're reading this, folks. Because we, if we ever get this twisted, where we think that my obedience is going to lead to God giving me something, or God giving me grace, or God even patting me on the back, then we have it twisted. And so it's paramount for us to understand this, that everything, everything that we do for the Lord isn't actually us doing it. It's the Holy Spirit doing it. Even, even repentance, which is highly important. Where does repentance come from? It doesn't come from me. I have no power to turn my back on sin. I have no power in myself to do anything about sin in my life. The only way that I can repent is by the Holy Spirit working in my life, changing me so that I can actually repent through the power of Him. And if you don't believe that, go to Acts 11, 18. Talks about it there. The church there is is surprised because even the Gentiles are repenting (laughs) when they hear the Lord's message. 11.18, Acts. When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Where did repentance come from? God. Holy Spirit. There's another place in Acts, Acts five thirty-one. if you want to look it up. I'm not going to go there, but it, it talks about God giving repentance. It, 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 is, it is only through the Holy Spirit that I can even repent. I'm going to be frank. It's only by the Holy Spirit that I can even get saved, that my faith, that I even know that I need God. That's the only way that I know that. How is it that one person can listen to a sermon and hear the gospel and one fall on their face and say, I need Jesus, and another one just walk out and say, "Ah, that was was an okay sermon. I didn't get much out of it. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit penetrating our hearts and our minds that he can actually do anything, that we can do anything. And as I said earlier, there's a difference between struggling with sin and living in sin. Um, currently, I am, I'm taking some martial arts classes. And it's mixed martial arts. And, and uh, we're, we're, we're going through boxing and wrestling and, and all kinds of cool stuff. But I've been learning how to grapple. <laughs> I've been learning how to grapple. And I'll tell you what. Thirty seconds of grappling, and in fact, uh, Ethan's not here today—not um, Ethan Chu, but uh, uh, Ethan Curtis. Ethan Curtis is like—he makes me look short. Okay, um, he's one of my grappling partners, and I'll tell you what: how many Thirty? How many of you guys think thirty seconds is a long time? It is an amazingly long eternity when you're grappling against somebody that has as much or more strength than you this is what it's like to fight sin and wrestle against our own sin it seems impossible at times and, and, and you get uh, they, they, they call the terminology getting gassed like I, I run out of breath really quickly in 30 seconds I and I'm to be fair I'm the old man in the, in the whole group but I get winded very quickly. But I'm also building my tolerances up. And I'm also, you know, getting better shape doing this. And so I don't get winded as much. And this is the same way when we struggle against sin. It's no different. God continues to give us grace upon grace upon grace. And he also gives us the fortitude to fight our own sin off. And sometimes we win. Sometimes we win. I've seen it in my own life. Sin habits that I had over here that I've struggled with most of my life, they're either gone, at least on the outside, or they're very minimal compared to what they were 20 years ago. But God's still working on me because one of my one of my sin habits is losing my temper. And uh, even, even like five years ago, I, this, this, uh, this, is, uh, this, is, this once again is a testimony of what God has done. Um, I was working on my wife's old Jeep. Underneath there, got a face full of antifreeze. Now, what did I do? I was actually pretty calm. I didn't say a cuss word. I didn't throw anything. 20 years ago, that that would have been the end of the world. And I probably would have ended up breaking more things (laughs) than fixing. That's God working in my life. That's the only explanation. Because how many times have I tried to break those habits? And had no power to do so. But when God comes into our lives... He changes us. Now, does that mean that I've arrived? Absolutely not. Because guess what? I still have bad attitudes in my heart that God's working on. And if I'm not being fed by the Holy Spirit, I could revert back to the old man very quickly. And so we never truly arrive in this world. We never truly, truly get over rustling, Grappling with our own sin. Until, until we go home with the Lord. Verse 18. Once again, this is a past tense. Having been set free from my sin, just as I was explaining a little bit earlier, I, I, I am no longer under the old slave master. The old slave master cannot control me. Although sometimes we, we, we are like the children of Israel living in slavery, right? They go out in the desert and they're like, man, you know, in my flesh, man, we had it better back in Egypt. And sometimes I can grumble and complain and that's usually when sin rears its ugly head in my own life. But sin is no longer my master. We have become slaves of righteousness. And this is key right here, guys. Um, My new identity, my new master is righteousness, is Jesus. As I said earlier, you know, I, I, I don't think you can be a gay Christian. But I think you can be a Christian struggling with homosexuality tendencies. It's something you wrestle with. Every, every single one of us has sins that we struggle with. The problem with saying I'm a gay Christian, who are you identifying with? What are you identifying in? I'm identifying in my sin. We are no longer to identify in our sin. Our new identity is in righteousness and in Jesus Christ in his holiness who we are it's who we become and my purpose and drive and obedience all comes out of that new identity in jesus we're gonna uh play a little game so um brad's brad's boy naz i was playing this game with him the other week i'll start off so a duck goes quack quack, right? How does a dog go? Woof woof. How does a cat go? Yeah. How does a bear go? Rar. <laughs> How does an elephant go? Yeah. I and mean, we can we can play this game for a while, right? But why why am why am I saying this? Because. An elephant doesn't go quack, quack. Right? That would be absurd, wouldn't it? (laughs) Thank you, participation. (laughs) That would be completely absurd. So it is, as a believer in Jesus, as, as a Christian, to identify in sin. It's no longer who I am. I now identify in Jesus. So for 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 a Christian to say I'm going to identify in whatever sin this is and to make it who I am is just as absurd as an elephant going quack quack. <laughs> Verse 19. <laughs> Um, and Paul goes in here and he goes, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural, natural limitations. You know, if, if Paul would go deep diving into theology right now with us, we would probably get lost. Even Peter says that there's times when Paul was really, really hard to understand. <laughs> and so Paul realizes this. And I, I think he honestly is looking at even at some of Jesus' examples as he taught. Jesus taught in parables. Jesus used examples around us to help us understand spiritual things. And so, Paul, Paul is talking about this. He says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and lawlessness, lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. So now, present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So Paul is reminding us here, we were once slaves to sin. We once snapped to attention every time sin called. And we would go, how far, how high, what do you want me to do? That's basically the picture he's painting here, how sin ruled our lives the moment that my flesh says i want you to go do something we would jump as slaves to impurity and lawlessness and it actually leads to more lawlessness and i think we can even see that right now in our country but you know our country is not the only country dealing with that it is any any culture any person as you continue in your slavery to impurity and lawlessness it leads to more lawlessness it just continues to get worse but then Paul says but now present your members so just as you used to be led by your sin be dictated by your sin now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification or the NIV says holiness so there's there's practical there's practical holiness coming here God declares us righteous in his sight but God is making us righteous on a practical level as we live out this life being led by the Holy Spirit and that's really important for us to to understand we haven't achieved practical holiness yet not on this side of of heaven but God sees us as Jesus it's declared on our lives we have Jesus' righteousness imputed into us big word there but he is also working it out in our lives day by day Moment by moment, that we are being led by the Holy Spirit. There's really good news. Not only does He want to save us, but He wants to change us for our well being and those around us. I can tell you this I am, a, and you can ask my wife, I am a much better husband following Jesus and as he sanctifies me than I was when we first got married. It's reality. I'm a better citizen of the United States because I am being led by the Holy Spirit. It is, it is for and I'm, I'm a better partner at Mercy Hill because I'm being led by the Holy Spirit it is better for you not just myself that the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding and and, and changing us day by day moment by moment and that's the amazing thing that this this practical this practical um, holiness is happening Um, Anthony you can come on up um you know, as as uh, I said earlier, and this is something I, I think we just have to continue to keep in our minds, what does Grace do? Grace saves us. It shapes us, that's what I'm talking about here earlier, is is it, it continues to come in. It changes who I am, it changes my very heart of who I am. It it makes me a better person. doesn't make me perfect. doesn't mean I'm not going to struggle, with junk but at the same time it means that God is doing something in my life and he secures us it's something I didn't really talk a whole lot about but he, he has us if he saves us not on our own merits he's not going to reject us because we mess up he has us and he's going to keep us and that really is the good news of the gospel guys um this morning, uh, we are going to do communion and uh, remember what Jesus has done for us. Um, those are helping with communion. Come on, come on down. Um, we are. Um, if you want to make a line, when I after we um, when we uh, ready.